All right, there you are. I'm right here. I'm Pastor Paul here at the home office at Four Oaks Church. It's Thursday morning. I think it's April 28th. Yep, there you go. Hard to believe we're coming to the end of, well, not maybe not spring, but we're certainly coming coming right up into bumping right up into summer. Uh, at least the summer heat coming up soon, which I know we're all excited about. But this Sunday is going to be May 1st. This Sunday we're going to be in Romans chapter nine. That's where we've been this past week here on Romans Rewind. And here we get a glimpse into the heart and purposes of God. Paul is calling out to God on behalf of his kinsmen, his brothers in the flesh, the Israelite people, uh, the Jews, who um, even though Jesus was a Jew, Paul was a Jew, the early apostles, the apostles were Jews, most of the early church were Jews, but now here we are, a second generation into the into the early church, and there are very few Jews, at least relative to the number of Gentiles that are in the church. And Paul's wanting to address this problem, right? And it's a massive problem. It's a massive theological problem. If God is not faithful, if his word has fallen or failed in relationship to his old covenant people, how can we trust it as his new covenant people? And that's what Paul has been has been honing in on that's what in fact all of chapter 9 is about it's it's in fact all of 9 through 11 is about the future of the Jewish people and um but here this morning we are getting a glimpse into the heart of Paul so let me read the passage again for us and i want to uh, hone in on something that i think there is a lot of misunderstanding and and even some hurtful theology that can, that can circulate around these first five verses. So let's read Romans 9, 1 through 5. I'm speaking the truth in Christ, Paul says. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Back in the 17th century, uh, the um, that would be the 1600s, when men in the Protestant tradition, Reformed tradition, um, would go through, in certain segments of the church, they would go through their ordination, their ordination exams. And one of the things that they were asked to do um, is, to, is, to, is, is to be asked, can you affirm what Paul um, affirms here? Can, can you wish yourself accursed for the glory of God? So in other words, these were men who were being asked to, to affirm God's sovereignty, God's glory, God's majesty. And they were saying, are you so committed to the glory and the majesty and the sovereignty of God that you yourself would be damned. That was what men were asked to affirm. And if a man could not affirm that, then 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 there would be question, right, of whether, in fact, God was at the center of his thought, theology and his calling and et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm going to quote John Piper on this, but I think this is wrong-headed in every way, okay? Um, for multiple reasons, and I just want to unpack some of these. 
because a lot of times we 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 make the glory of God, the sovereignty of God, uh, primarily an intellectual sort of position, um, and it is intellectual. It's theological. It's mental. It's truth based, one hundred percent. But but the issue becomes when we make it only that, and so what happens when when let's be honest, when all of us hear that call, will you be accursed for the glory of God? It's kind of like we know the answer should be yes, but everything in our heart is saying, no, I, I, how could I wish that upon myself? Well, Piper makes the point, and I think he's right on, that one, this is not a choice that God, um, that, that God leads us to make. This is not a bind, a theological bind that God puts us in. Um, Paul has spent all of Romans 8, right, saying there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, um, neither height nor depth nor anything, right? Um, there, there, there's nothing that can, can, can bring us condemnation. There, you know, the whole, God will never leave us or forsake us. And those truths, do they not? They resonate in our hearts. They we, we get such great comfort from them. We, we meditate upon them. They are, they're nourishment for our souls. And to then, though, have to say, but I would give all of that up in order to glorify God um, puts us, I mean, it makes us be spiritual schizophrenics, right? Um, it, it makes us try to affirm something that God says could never happen or never should happen or never will happen. We never have to, to, to make that sort of choice, right? Um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Um, we find our joy made complete in him. And so I think what happened for a lot of these men, they had to affirm something they know they needed to say yes to, but in their hearts, it's screaming no. Um, it's asking them to, to separate their joy from God's glory and I don't think that's right. I think that's, that's not what Paul is talking about at all, okay? I think what Paul is talking about is not so much um, he would be accursed for the glory of God. He's saying, um, I would be accursed because I love my brother so much, right? Now, Paul knows this is a hypothetical scenario. Paul knows this is not possible. But what Paul's doing here. He's not, he's not separating his theology from his emotions. In fact, he's wedding them together. He's saying, I know, right, that um, the blessings of the gospel and of Jesus are so right, so good, um, so glorious. Of course, I would want my brothers and sisters um, in, in, of the ethnic faith to have them too. In fact, I would give mine up. That's how much my heart loves them. And I think when we look at it from that perspective, then that much more resonates with us, right? And I mentioned this on Sunday. Who are the people that we love so much in our lives that we would give up our very selves, maybe even our very souls, in order for them to be saved? Now, that's a big ask. And again, God's not asking us to make that choice. What I want to simply point out here is Paul is using this example, this autobiographical insight to show us how much his heart breaks for the Old Testament people of God. And so Paul, it's because Paul 
has his has his eyes and heart so open theologically that he can then pour out his sorrow and pain before God on behalf of others. And I think that's something we can really learn from, right? Um, we're not to, to, to engage in Romans 9 and walk away from Romans 9 with, a, with a, a bookshelf of theological knowledge by which we are armed to sort of, um, you know, dismember theologically our theological opponents, okay? Or to or to attain some level of theological competency that leads to arrogance and high-mindedness and pride. It's exactly the opposite, right? Uh, what we want to do walking away from Romans 9 is give glory to God and thanks to God for his blessings, for his, um, his sovereignty, right? For his election, for his saving us even when we did not um, deserve to be saved. Those are the kinds of things that should evoke in us. It's what is evoked in Paul. And so, again, I encourage us to think about this more from getting in touch with the pain and sorrow that we have over what we would see are unfulfilled promises in our life. And again, all, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And when I say unfulfilled promises, I mean things that we wish were true, things that we wish God would do. Paul's connecting those. We are to connect those. And then it's supposed to drive us to God and drive us to prayer, but it's not to drive a wedge between us and the glory of God and to put us on some sort of awkward footing with God asking us to do something for him, right, that he would never ask us to do in reality. So um, that's just one insight I think we can take from Romans 9, 1 through 5. Now, this Sunday, we're going to be in Romans 9, 16 through 13. And so tomorrow, Friday, I want to preview this coming Sunday's message and how it co connects with what Paul is saying here. But for today, let's pray. Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for this time. Lord, would you stir our hearts um, in relationship to the people and things and situations and relationships we have a burden for, a Christ-centered burden for. And Lord, we pour out our hearts to them um, in through prayer to you. And so Lord, we ask um, now that you would center our mind upon you today and go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks everybody. See you tomorrow.